0: Everybody doing this morning? We're blessed. We're blessed. Amen. Actually, it's been such a gorgeous weekend, hasn't it? I mean, the sun's shining. You're in church, among people that love you. It's a good thing. Amen. Yeah. It's good to be in church this morning. Well, uh, my name is Angie Gergen. I serve on the guest services team, the teaching team, wherever they'll allow me. I love to serve. I love to serve in the house of God. Our pastors, Mike and Rhonda, are on a short getaway, getting refreshed and recharged. I want to encourage you to pray for them as they travel for safe uh, travels and um, just a good time. But if you're new here, I just want to welcome you to church. I want to invite you to come back again next week when they're back, hear Pastor Mike preach. If you're listening online, I want to thank you for your attentiveness and welcome you there, too. So um, before we jump into this morning's message, I have a couple announcements that I was asked to share. Um, The first one is um, our new prayer or praise cards. First of all, it's an honor to stand in agreement with one another in prayer, isn't it? And when we pray, we expect to hear God and we expect to see him move. And so that's powerful. You have a whole family of believers that will come alongside you And pray with you and believe to see God move on your behalf. So if you have a prayer request, we have these prayer cards out at the information desk. We'd invite you to write out your prayer request, put it in that box. Every Saturday morning, there's prayers, prayers here praying over these requests. And then guess what? We have an expectation that God's going to answer those prayers. So when you have a praise report, we want to hear about that too. So will you please use these cards and um, fill those out so that we can stand with you. And then we can also praise with you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, the other re- the other request that we have was from Pastor Woody of Sri Lanka. Y'all know Pastor Woody in Sri Lanka. Um, he's got a pastor that um, is a blessing in Sri Lanka there. He's in need of a used iPhone. And so he just reached out to Pastor Mike this morning and said, hey, it's If anybody happens to have a used iPhone that we could use and bless this pastor with, they'll take care of the shipping and whatnot. If you happen to have one laying around collecting dust, please let Pastor Mike know. Or um, since he's out, you know, you can also get get a hold of Angie Ellis. She'd be happy to help facilitate that. So I know I have a few Androids, but that wasn't the request. So anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter what camp you're in. It works. Technology works. Praise God. All right. (laughs) So this morning, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. I'm just so blessed to be able to be in the house of God and to serve in the house of God. Aren't you thankful for that? If you're thankful for that, can you just put your hand on your heart right now? Lord, we just thank you so much for your presence here in this place. God, we thank you for what you've already done. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit being in this place. And I sense the congruency from the beginning of the service all the way through what the message is this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. Open our ears and our minds to what you have to say. Lord, I pray for your power and anointing to deliver this message. In Jesus' name, Lord, as we receive from you, let us be quick to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this morning, I believe God wants to talk to you about Voices. I don't think there's anything more important than we can do with our life than to build a relationship with Jesus Christ and to tune into his voice and hear his voice, amen? I can't imagine anything more important to spend my life on. But when you look around and you listen, there's a gazillion voices trying to capture our attention. And they're convincing, They're convincing. If you were to stop and just take an account right now of how many screens are in this room, you'd be flabbergasted, I'm quite certain, because you've got everybody's phones, you've got their watches, we've got screens all around us, all trying to do one thing, and that's to grab our attention and convince us of a certain message. Sometimes these voices are right here between our own two ears trying to get us to buy into whatever strategy or or thought process we have. And God says, I have created you, and I have equipped you to hear my voice. You are designed to hear the voice of God. And I believe that's what God wants us to, to, to focus on today, is how we can walk with him to know him and to hear his voice. For the last several weeks, Pastor Mike has been preaching on the power of prayer and why it's so important for us to pray, why it's so important for us to be engaged to advance God's kingdom and to build his kingdom through prayer, that our prayers make a difference. Have you gained something from that? Can I get an amen? Our prayers make a difference. But when we come before the Lord and we pray, it's not just a one-way street. You know, it's a so- society today, you can say, do you pray to God? And yes, it's perfectly acceptable. Do you pray to God? Yes, it goes that way. Do you hear from God? And people kind of look at you funny if you were to stand up and say, yeah, absolutely. I hear from God, but church... We are created and designed to hear the voice of God, to walk with him on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday. It should be our earnest expectation that when we get up in the morning, when we go about our day, when we go about our tasks, when we're at work, when we're raising kids, when we're fixing supper, that we can hear the voice of God for our lives and be a blessing in that. I feel so passionately about this. And the reason why is because when Pastor Mike asked me to to share this morning, my mind immediately went back to about 20-some years ago, 20-plus years ago. That's the time when I decided I was going to make God my God as an adult. See, I was raised in a Christian home, but there were some stages in life where I walked away. I just didn't really feel like God was real. And then there was something that happened in my life, and I was in my early 20s, and, and there, that's a whole other sermon, but something that happened in my life, and I decided God You are my God and I want to know you. And I started going to this church where Pastor Mike and Rhonda were serving as youth pastors. And I'd go to that church, and I would just sense his presence there. But sometimes the messages were so deep, I I mean, it would just go, like, over my head. And sometimes I'd look to my left and to my right, and the believers there were so grounded in their faith, I just looked at them like, they are spiritual giants. I don't know if I'll ever be able to catch up. But I was so hungry in that church that I kept going. I drove an hour and a half one way every Sunday to make it to church because the presence of God was there and I was so hungry. I wanted to hear the word. Pastor Mike's teaching Bible school. I'm sitting in the front row taking notes. I want to understand. I want to know this God like these people around me know this God. I want to know his voice. I wanted to hear his voice and I would ask questions. It didn't matter if they were polished questions, if they were right or wrong questions, socially acceptable, politically correct. I wanted to hear God, so I continued to press in. And this is what I know in my knower today. I believe there's at least one person here that goes, that's me. That's why I keep coming back to this church. Am I right? I believe there's one person here today that says, that's me. I want to I hear God's voice. I want to be able to walk with him daily, to know him, and to just be confident in my faith. And there's some of you that you're seasoned believers. Man, you have grown up in the church. You've been pouring out in the church. You've been building others in the church. And you're like, no, I think I'm good. I think I kind of tuned in to the voice of God. Well, my challenge for you this morning is not to check out on this message. My challenge for you this morning is then who are you developing? Who are you pouring into to say, come alongside? I'm going to show you how you can hear the voice of God. I'm going to show you how you can discern this. I'm going to show you how you can get into the word and you can see the richness of his truth and his promise. And that you can build your life on this word. Who are you doing that with? That's my challenge for you today. I know that there's times where we would love for God just to speak to us plainly, right? (laughs) Like, how many times do we go, like, God, if you could just text me, (laughs) you know, could you just send me a DM or, for goodness sakes, you're God, could we just sit and have a face-to-face conversation? I've had this conversation with friends of mine from time to time. Sometimes they say, you know, if God would just speak to me so clearly, I'd do it. I do it. I just be on that thing, like white on rice. Time and again, though, we see examples of in Scripture where it's that's really not like the human response. <laughs> we see examples where people um, hear from God and and they don't necessarily they kind of argue with God. The other thing about hearing with God, hearing from God is not just the hearing, but it's also the doing, right? Stepping out in faith and doing. And so today, what I want to tr- do is turn your attention to a familiar Old Testament character by the name of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 through 8. Now, Gideon, uh, we can't go through his whole account. We don't have time for that this morning, but I do want to talk to you about some of the things he was well known for doing. He was well known for doing great feats with God, including destroying the altar of Baal including delivering the Israelites from the Midianites with a mere small little army of 300 valiant men. And he used fleece and prayer to determine, am I hearing from God, to gain confirmation from God? But I invite you to turn with me to Judges chapter 6, and I want you to see where it all started in Judges chapter 6. And then here we go, verse 1. It says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because the Midianites. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which are in the mountains. Because of the Midianites, the Israelites hid. They hid. The Bible teaches us that Israel is to serve as an example to us. We see time and again a pattern in Scripture, right, where Israel walks with God, They see the greatness of God. They see the power of God. And then they start to compromise and they fall away from God. They find themselves into a whole heap of mess, right? They get to the end of themselves. They cry out to God. And God in his faithfulness brings restoration. And he brings them back into a place of repentance and restores them to where they're at. I want you to see that's where they're at right now. They're in the whole heap of trouble. They're hiding themselves in caves and strongholds and dens, which they had to build for themselves, We find Israel doing evil in the sight of the Lord because they started worshiping other gods and disobeying his commandments. They forfeited their promise That God had given them, and they distorted their identity through their disobedience. I want you to see that. They distorted their calling and who they were. They were fearful and in hiding. What did Joshua tell them to do? Joshua said, be bold and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God goes with you. And here Israel, because they compromised their faith, they distort their promise, their identity, their calling. And where are they? They're fearful and in hiding. You see, God promised that Israel was going to be greater than the sands of the sea, that there was going to be so many of them, they would be so numerous, that they would be too numerous to count. But their rebellion and their idol worship stunted their growth. There is some stuff touched on during offering today about idol worship. Idol worship is not necessarily a little statue that you have sitting on a shelf that you bow before. Idol worship is anything that you put ahead of God. Idol worship can be money, idol worship can be status, idol worship can be yourself, idol worship could be your children, idol worship could be your spouse, is anything that you put ahead of God. And that's what they did. They put other gods ahead of their God. And then their enemies numbers became too great and overtook them. This is the same enemy that they defeated 200 years prior under the, rulership or under the leadership of Moses. The Midianites became a huge, riotous mob. And let me tell you something about the Midianites. You think, wow, what, what a great people. Well, when you study them, actually, they weren't intelligent. They didn't have any strategy. They weren't organized, they weren't cultivated, they were just a lot of people. <laughs> they were just a lot. And they had a lot to say, and they were overtaking the Israelites. They were overtaking their livestock, their fields, and they were leaving them in poverty. Now don't miss this. I want you to see this because we're supposed to learn from Israel, right? We're supposed to learn from this. So do you think that they just automatically turned their back on God and found themselves in this situation? Or do you think it was a little compromise here, a little drift there, a little putting themselves ahead of God here and justifying the means? Can you see some of that as being an issue? We need to grasp this because when God calls us to his purposes, he calls us to be wholly his completely and entirely his. We serve a jealous God, and he's calling us to keep our focus on him and not waste our time trying to figure out if I can put my big toe into this and still be considered a Christian. Can I still do a little bit of the world and still be considered a Christian? God says, no, I'm calling you to be wholly mine. And do you know why others can and you can't? Do you know why the Holy Spirit is nudging you to give up things that pull you from his presence? Because you have a promise. You have a strength. You have a purpose, an identity, and a treasure that is far too great to relinquish. Church, it is far too great to relinquish and let the enemy distort. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing what's right and following and pressing in after the things of God. That's why it, this befits you. It's God's promise. That's why it befits you to walk upright. Determined to see God's goodness and his fullness in your life. Not to submit to some unruly, distasteful, unintelligent mob. Oh, those voices are out there. We will not submit to that. God created you to be the head and not the tail. He created you to walk in wisdom, with dignity, integrity, with purpose, with grace, in his power, in his anointing. Each and every one of you. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Israelites didn't keep their focus on God. They got sidetracked. They got pulled into things and they found themselves broken, busted, disgusted. They were hiding in strongholds they created for themselves. It's their strongholds they created. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm so under it. The enemy's just got such a grip on me. They put themselves in these strongholds. But here's what the enemy would try to do. The enemy would try to say, look at what you did. Man, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. How are you ever going to get out of this mess? And we start to believe that and think, you know, I did it. I did it to myself. It's my road to hoe. I got to figure out how to get in and get this figured out. You know what that is, church? Condemnation—that is not the voice of God. That is not the voice of God. The enemy would continually try to kick you and shame you and, and convince you that God, how could you ever take that back to God? You got to figure out this mess. You got to do this on your own and in your own strength. That's condemnation. Here's what the voice of God would say. The enemy says you are something wrong. The voice of God says. Mm. You did something wrong, but you are mine, and if you come running back to me, we can redeem this thing. We can clean up this mess. God is not shocked with your mess, but here's the thing. Conviction will always draw you back to God and draw you back into his presence. Condemnation will always try to suck you away from God. You want to know how to discern the two? Look at where it's compelling you to go. If you've been listening to a voice of condemnation, you need to shake that off and break that off and start just running back to the, I don't know. I got to go back to my father. He loves me. He says I'm his. I'm going to get this cleaned up with his power. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we come to the point where Israel's at the end of themselves. Praise God. (laughs) And it says that they cry out to God. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you out of, (laughs) I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. The prophet in this account represents the word of God, right? They didn't have Bibles back then. They didn't have the version app. They didn't have podcasts, right? But the prophet comes and delivers the word of God, and he reminds Israel, listen, God delivered you from bondage. This isn't where you're supposed to be. He delivered you from oppression and He gave you land. He's your God. The greatest way to understand and hear the voice of God, church, the greatest way, don't take this miracle here for granted. The greatest way is to get into the Word of God. Everything we need is in His Word. I think because it's so accessible to us, we look at it as something natural. It is supernatural, and it is alive, and it speaks to us. Everything that we need is in the Word of God. How to do ministry, How wisdom, how to lead people, how to construct our lives and, and how to do business, how to do marriage, how to raise kids. It's all in the word of God, but you have to dig into it. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted with people that say, I'm a Christian, but they don't read the word. How do you know what you believe? <laughs> what are you attesting to? You got to get into the word of God. That's where you hear the word. And so God sends a prophet who delivers the word and reminds the Israel Israelites all the things that God has done for them how he's positioned them, and where they're disobeying, only to bring them to what? Bring them to a place of repentance, right? Bring them back into right relationship with God and restore them. And as God is preparing Israel for redemption, we find Gideon threshing wheat in the winepress. Not out in the open, but in a winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord came to him. And he says to Gideon, he says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. I love that scripture. I've got two little grandsons, and since they've been able to speak, I've been saying, you're mighty. And they hold up their little muscles, and they go, we're mighty. And I love it. And you know what? Declare those things over your kids. Declare those things over your kids. You're mighty. Let them shout back at you. We are mighty in the things of God. Amen? So here's Gideon face-to-face with God. This is the thing that we would want, right? Just to be face-to-face with God. God, just tell me what I need to do. And I'll do it right. But here's the problem Gideon is so inundated with the culture around him. He's so underneath his circumstances, the identity measures that have been imprinted and impacted on him, impressed upon him, that instead of saying, God, you're here, and falling on his face, you're calling me mighty, instead of that, this is what Gideon says Oh, nope, I didn't put it in there. Sorry, you're going to have to just listen to me. Gideon says to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. This is such an interesting response to me because there's some evidence here. There's evidence that Gideon was taught of the things of God, right? He lists out the things that God had had done. He says, where are all his miracles which our fathers taught us about? Gideon knew what God was famous for in the past. He knew how the nations knew of God's mighty power. Somebody taught him this. A mom, dad, grandparents, friends, they taught him about the things of God, but they fell short in the fact that they didn't teach him that the same God wants to do the same thing through me and you. Amen? When they raised him up in that, they didn't say, but Gideon, God wants to do something in you, in your generation. Moms and dads, listen to this. You need to lean on on this. You have a responsibility to raise up your children in the way they should go. I've heard different philosophies like, well, I'm just going to let little Timmy discover his faith. no. You have a responsibility to raise him up in the way he should go. So get him into church. Model it before him. Teach him about the things of God. Show him what God does. And then have him do it. Let your children be part of that flow of God. Have them lay hands on the sick. Amen? Come on. Raise up your kids to prophesy. Raise up your kids to serve in church. Church, come on, parents. Let's hear this. You need to raise up your kids and the things of God, not just to know the Bible story, but to walk out the Bible story. Amen? Amen? You need to raise them up in that. So here's, here's Gideon. He is so frustrated. When you raise your kids up like in that sort of way, that you just, not just to know the Bible story, but to walk out the Bible story, when they come up on a situation that's in need of God, they're not going to just look at that situation as uh, from a point of frustration and dissatisfaction. Mm-mm. They're not going to look at that situation from a point of fear and doubt. They're going to walk into that situation with authority, with anointing, with power, with grace. They're going to bring the answer to the situation in the name of Jesus for their generation. That's, that's the responsibility we have, church. Amen. That's the responsibility we have. And we have the responsibility of modeling that to our kids. Amen? Amen. Amen. So rather than falling on his face... Gideon starts gushing out his frustrations. And I love the Lord's response in this. He simply stays on track. He keeps speaking the truth, declaring a larger vision than what Gideon could see. At the moment, all that Gideon could see was the wall of the wine press. At the moment, all he could see was just trying to get through this next day. At the moment, all he could see was putting in twice the amount of work for half the fruit. At the moment, all he could see was hiding from his enemy. And God comes with a greater vision. He says, you have a mighty identity. You have a mighty purpose. He was calling Gideon to a higher place to deliver Israel from the very thing that was crushing them. And Gideon still, he continues to struggle. And he says, it says the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I think there's a lot of people right now in our society struggling with identity. Because he goes right to the where, look at who I am. Goes struggling with identity. In fact, I think our society is in the midst of an identity crisis. People are trying to find value in our identity, and the value's already been laid, right? By the gift of Jesus Christ, his life for us. But they're trying to find value in their identity. They're trying to discover their identity, they're trying to understand their identity, they're trying to reinvent their identity as if they were God. The only way to know and fulfill your true identity and your true destiny is to hear God's voice, to get his take on the matter and to shut out all the other voices, all the other cultural nonsense and the oppression that surrounds you. Shake off your family history. You can be a new limb on that family tree, amen? And the lies and the pressures get into his word, pray, read the word, and then guess what? Let the word read you. Let the word read you. It's not just about reading a text. It's not just about reading the history, but asking the Holy Spirit. And I I do this. If this is an example, if this helps you, I say, Holy Spirit, I need you to feed me this morning. Lord, show me what you have for me today. Give me revelation. Sometimes I read a passage, and I'll tell you what, there's nothing. I get nothing out of it. And I go, well, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to reread that because I believe God has something for me today in his word. And I always find something. There's always something. There's a nugget. I don't go to the word like, you know, oh, my gosh, I think I need to find a scripture that I can can twist and distort so that it fits my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. No. I want to go to the word and go, Lord, how do you want me to live? so that I can bring you glory, so that I can live to the fullest. God, what is it that you have? Oh, God, ooh, ooh, you need me to change that. You need me to grow in this area. Okay, you need me to step out in faith more in this area. I don't go to the Word and go, hmm, that'd be really good. I should, I should, uh, Caitlin really needs to hear this. You know, no. I mean, sometimes you share a word with somebody because it's encouraging, right? But if you're going to the Word so that you can preach to everybody else, come on, you, Lord. You read me through your word. You change me. You grow me in your word. Spend time in the word. That's how God forms your identity, grows your identity, tells you who who you are and how He's created you to be. God keeps encouraging Gideon, in spite of his doubts and his experience. He does the same for you and I. Amen. God does the same for you and I. Don't shrink back because of what you see. Hold your ground rise up and go forward. God says, I'm with you. I've strengthened you. Wherever you go, I'm going. And when we go together, we're the majority. Put your hope and your faith and your trust in me. Let's go. That's what God says to Gideon. So Gideon starts to get it. We see in verse 17, he's starting to get it now. He's having this face-to-face conversation with God, the one that we're so convinced that we would just be right on it and move forward, right? He's having this face-to-face conversation with God. And he says to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, Then show me a sign that it's you who talks to me. (laughs) That's so funny to me. If you can't find humor in the word of God, I'm like, you're talking face-to-face with God, and you're like, could you just show me a sign that it's really you? Um, (laughs) Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And God says, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon's faith, we see it's starting to get kindled here. And then God's, and he says, okay, God, if this is the case, show me some more evidence. So he brings an offering of meat, unleavened bread, and broth. And when he brings it before the Lord, the angel of the Lord, it says, put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, touch the meat and the unleavened bread, and a fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Later in chapter 7, when Gideon's being called to go out and fight against the Midianites, Gideon seeks more confirmation from the Lord. He uses prayer in the fleece. You guys, you're familiar with the story? So we're not going to dig into that, but God is patient through it all. You know what? God is patient when you ask him for confirmation. God is patient when you seek him. I just want to encourage you in that. God is patient with with your prayers and speaking to you in different situations. And when you ask for for confirmation, he will give it to you. It will look different sometimes. Sometimes he brings confirmation through your time in the word. Sometimes he brings confirmation through a conversation with a trusted friend, another believer. Sometimes you're in a situation, I'll tell, you about, <laughs> I'll tell you about a situation, it was just so bizarre. It was years and years ago, I was debating moving from one state to another, and um, just pondering it in my heart, and I was working one day, and I was out on the back deck area taking a break, and I was just by myself, pondering it in my heart. This guy, two tables over, he's smoking a cigarette. I, I'm not talking to him. He looks at me with a cigarette in his hand, and he goes, you know what you need to do? You just need to do it. And in my heart, I was like, okay, it's settled. This is what I got to do. It's just like, God can use a donkey. <laughs> God can use, do you know what I mean? If you ask God for confirmation, he's patient, and he's kind, and he will provide that for you. Um, so things I want you to see here. First and foremost, it takes faith to hear from God. You must believe that he wants to and he is speaking to you. Even when the angel of the Lord, God was standing right in front of him, Gideon was struggling. He was so buried in his circumstances and the cultural influences that he kept questioning God and questioning God before he developed a trust in what he was saying. We need to have faith. We need to have that that tenacity that, God, I'm going to hear from you. I know you're talking to me, and I'm going to hear from you, and I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to be obedient. God isn't undone by your tough questions. I want you to know that. So we've talked about it takes space to hear from God, and God isn't undone by your tough questions. I don't know where we get this idea in our head, like, well, I can give this to God because it's polished enough, Or I can go to God with this issue, but I don't know that I really want to talk with him about this issue. God wants it all. In fact, I believe God is so honored and so blessed that when we come to him with our good, our bad, and our ugly, our broken pieces, we'd like to have it all together, right? We want you all to believe that we have it all together, right? But we can come before God and we can just say, God, I don't know about this. I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. I need you to help me sort it out. That blesses the heart of the Father when we do that. And God, I want you to see this. God does not sound like the culture around you. (laughs) If you want to hear the voice of God, oftentimes his message is going to be the exact opposite because he's always going to be calling you to a higher place. What God was declaring to Gideon was opposite of what Gideon had experienced. Amen? Is such a good example to us why it's so important again for us to get into the Word and renew our minds according to what God says, because as we do that, we become more and more familiar with His leading. We understand His heart and um, His promptings. And I want to tell you something: uh, there's, you know, the leading of God and the prompting of God, the voice of God is often going to be gentle. It might not be audible. It's going to be a gentle prompting, a nudging, if you will, okay? And um, you say, well, then how do I know? I'll tell you how you know. Now, I'm going to ask if people would just be so honest and be so transparent. I know that each and every one of you has heard the voice of God at some point in their lives. Do you want to know how I know? Because I know that you know where you missed it. (laughs) Amen? 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 I know that I know where I missed it. I think we can all raise our hands where we felt or sensed the voice of God, the nudging, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and because we had some other logical explanation in our mind, God was saying, I want you to go this way, and we decided to go this way. And then after that all unfolded, we looked back and we went, yeah. I knew I, w- I, knew I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, we got some hands going up. So you know you hear the voice of God, right? And here's what the goodness of God does. The goodness of God says, you know what? It's okay. We're going to take that situation just now, and we're going to turn that into a learning opportunity so that next time when I talk to you and you feel that Holy Spirit nudge, you go, oh, yeah, I'm going this way. (laughs) I'm following him. It works out better for me when I do that. So it's good. It takes faith to hear from God. We need to know and expect to hear from God. He's not undone with our tough questions. He loves to sort that out. He's blessed that you trust him enough with that. And he's not going to sound like the culture around you. So we see that Gideon not only starts to gain confidence and faith in what God is saying, much more than the other messages he wrestled with before, but now he's ready to act on faith. And we see God's patience and his persistence in declaring his truth and his plan over Gideon's life. And I want you to see that for yourself. There's things where you've been wrestling and God has been patient and he's been patiently declaring the truth. He's been patiently staying the course over your life. He's not given up on his plan for you. It remains the same. It's just time for you to rise up and believe him and what he has for you, amen? Amen. And here's the thing that's different about us than Gideon we get the greater power because we live under the new covenant. We live in the New Testament, and we share a greater hope because as followers of Jesus Christ, we get the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit dwell inside of us. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, he leads us and he guides us daily. The Bible says that he is our comforter. He is our counselor. He gives us wisdom. He gives us power, Holy Spirit power. Amen? Amen? And we've got the Word of God, so when we're hearing the voice of God, we can always check and see how does this line up with God's Word. We get to sit under sound teaching. I want to encourage you, if you're visiting here today and you don't have a church home, get yourself plugged into a church home that teaches the uncompromised Word of God. Not the cutting-edge cultural norm, not the woke kind of culture, but teaches you the Uncompromised word of God. This is a firm foundation to build your life upon. It will not steer you wrong. Amen. The other way that we can hear God's word is through godly friends, counselors, and mentors. I got to tell you, that's one of the reasons why Rhonda and I are such good friends. Because 20 years ago, I was so hungry for the things of God, she could not get rid of me. (laughs) I kept showing up. Hello, I have another question. Hello, I need wisdom on this. Hello, can you teach me about this? I kept showing up. She kept mentoring me. She kept pouring into my life. I want to challenge you this morning. Who are you mentoring? Who are you pouring out to? The Bible likens us to vessels. Do you know what vessels do? They receive and they pour out. We are to receive the love of God. We're to receive the goodness of God and we're to pour out. What if you just let that liquid in that vessel stay stagnant? Or that grain in that vessel stays stagnant. What happens? Moldy, stinky, slimy, buggy. Anybody want to be any of those things? No. You were designed to receive from God, to hear his voice. And then you were designed to bring others alongside, to look for those that are out on the fringe, say, come on, I'm going to be your friend. And you, you were designed to pour out. Some of you are like, well, I don't have a mentor. I'd really like a mentor. You want, you want to know what I did? Hi, Rhonda. I'm back. I got another question. You're painting the church? I'll paint the church with you. You're cleaning? I'll come clean with you because I wanted to learn. I wanted to glean from her, someone that was ahead of me in the faith and to learn. I want to encourage you, church, do that. That's why life groups are so important in our church. That's why relationship is so important in our church. That's why we serve together as a family. Why? It causes you to grow. It helps you to tune into God's word. It helps you to tune into what he has for your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Let's sharpen each other. Amen? We talked about confirmation. I want to talk to you about a couple more things before, before we wrap it up. Are you guys still doing okay? Amen. Okay. All right, couple things. What about when God seems to be on pause? What about when it seems like I don't think God is talking right now. You know, there's times like that, right? Where it's like, it's just like, I'm reading the word, I'm going to church, I've got this situation, and I'm, I'm really not hearing anything. People are praying for me and with me, but I'm still not hearing anything. I want to encourage you this morning that that is a very sweet and precious time, because the word of God says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. In Psalms 2714, um, if you can help me to that, it says, this is such a a precious psalm. It says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint. This is so good. Grab this nugget put it in your back pocket hold it for that time that you have to wait on the lord cuz here's the thing some of the th- sometimes i think of waiting i think of waiting for my airplane and i'm scrolling on the phone at the airport i'm doing nothing right it's just a passive time or waiting out at the park and i'm just sitting on a bench waiting for a gust of wind or something amazing to happen out in the field That is not what waiting on the Lord is. Waiting on the Lord is not a passive event. Go back to the scripture. It says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. This is what waiting on the Lord means. It comes from the Hebrew word kava, Q-A-V-A-H. It means to tie together by twisting to entwine, to wrap so tightly. Those that wait on the Lord invest their time getting so close to the heart of God that they can hear the heart of God beat, that they can hear his breath. They spend their time getting so close. Lord, I don't hear your voice right now, so I'm gonna dig further into your word. I'm gonna take more time in worship and prayer. I'm going to get so close to you that my heart beats with your heart. Waiting on the Lord is an active event. It's not a passive event, church. So what about when the Lord seems to be on pause, his voice seems to be on pause, what do you do? You wait on the Lord. You draw closer to him. You renew your strength in him. You build your faith in him. You remind yourself of his promises, amen? Amen. And the last thing I want to lead you with, leave you with is being led with peace. I have to tell you, this is... Um, one of the greatest ways that I've heard the voice of God in my life. There's been so many times where I've made decisions uh, from, from very practical decisions, buying cars, buying houses, where to work, to decisions on how to raise my kids, how to discipline my kids. You know, you love your kids, you do discipline them, right? You teach them how to try to capture their heart, how to, how to minister, how to do uh, relationships, I followed hard after peace. We see here at the end of chapter 6, it says, Now Gideon perceived, he finally perceives that he's with the angel of the Lord. He's with God. Good job, Gideon. Glad you caught up. So Gideon perceives that, I mean, there is humor in the Bible, church. It's okay to laugh. So he perceives that he's with the angel of the Lord. And so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. To this day, it's still in Ophrah of the Abizrites. Follow after peace. As he has this encounter with God, and God says, hey, you're mighty. And he speaks a mighty destiny over him. And he says, you're going to deliver Israel from the Midianites. As he's leaving him, he speaks peace over him. But what's what's Gideon going to be doing? He's going to war. (laughs) He's going to war. But God put an investment in his heart of peace, of shalom. Now, shalom is a really familiar word in the church. We've heard it before. A lot of people will say shalom. They'll sum it up and they'll say, nothing missing, nothing broken. You've heard that? Here's what it means. It means more than peace. It means wholeness, wellness, Well-being, safe, happy, friendly, favor, completeness, to make peace, peace offering, secure, to prosper, to be victorious, to be content, tranquil, quiet, and restful. God is saying, listen, you're going forward. I'm going with you. Together we're a majority. You walk in peace. Walk, hold your ground. Because peace doesn't lose ground. Peace holds your ground and it takes ground. And as we go, you can go and and know that I'm with you and you're going to win this battle. Amen? It says, nothing missing, nothing broken. Here's something I came across recently. I want to share it with you. The pictographic symbols for the word shalom, shin, lamed, vav, mem, they read to destroy the authority that binds to chaos. That is good. When we walk in God's peace, when we pursue his peace, Lord, I'm I'm faced with this decision. Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to proceed? And you get this peace dropped into your heart and it goes, well, that doesn't make sense to my head up here or or it doesn't make sense in the natural. And God says, no, this is the direction I'm taking you. This is the direction I'm taking you. If you will trust me in this, if you will walk with me, the prince of peace, if you will pursue this, I will destroy the authority that binds you to chaos. Amen. That is so good. So when we walk with God, when we walk in peace and we pursue his peace, shalom is used to describe those of us who have been provided all that is needed to be whole and complete and break off all authority that would attempt to bind us to chaos. That's where I want to live, amen? I don't want to live anywhere else because when I look out in the world, there's a whole lot of chaos. doesn't stick to me, amen? Psalm 34, 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, um, Pastor Mike's been preaching on this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and stand with me this morning as we get ready to close. I hope you gain something this morning. You are, And then I'm going to invite the worship team and the altar ministry workers on up too. I hope this morning you walk out and you go, you know what? I am designed to hear the voice of God. I expect to hear the voice of God. And where maybe I've grown in this area, I'm going to look for others that I can bring alongside and say, come on, I want you to hear from God too. I want you to be able to hear his voice and to grow in it and to know and walk confidently with faith in what God has for you, to see the fullness of that thing that he has for you, the fullness of your destiny come to fruition. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus is talking and he refers to himself as the good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. God is so good. He's a good shepherd. The first thing to really start hearing God's voice is to be his. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus teaches us that we must be born again. That means taking our life, laying it down before him, surrendering to him, asking him to be our Lord and Savior committing our lives to him and determining that we will follow him. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. God makes you a new person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're reconciled through Christ. For God made him who knew no sin to be the sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a divine exchange. Jesus takes our sin And he gives us his righteousness so that we can walk through this life fully his, victorious, and fulfilling the destiny and the calling he has for us. So this morning, I just want to give that opportunity to each and every one of you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life, and I wouldn't want to live my life any other way. I just want to encourage you to just go ahead and commit to him. If you've fallen away from the Lord, recommit your life to him. So I'm just going to lead out in a prayer. I ask that you repeat after me. Just to make it easier for everyone, everyone's going to repeat. But if you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus is going to come into your heart and be Lord of your life. So Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I don't want to live apart from you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your purposes for my life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.